0: Hello, once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, October sixth edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'm joined today by Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. We're chatting some Week Five NFL, and we're going to talk about the Shriners Hospitals for Children open out at TPC Summerlin this week's PGA Tour event. Uh, we're gonna be a little bit pressed for time today, just a little bit, because we got the NHL draft today, and Brian's got a lot of stuff to talk about with that on Vegas Hockey Hotline. Definitely encourage you to check that out over at KSHP.com later on today. Uh, We got a lot of stuff going on over at ATS.io for you to check out. We got updates on some of the top sportsbook promotions in the business here for this week. Uh, We cover industry news, sportsbook reviews, all sorts of picks and predictions, all kinds of great stuff over at ATS.io. You can check out our ATS YouTube page for videos from Brian, as well as some highlight videos here from ATS Radio and make sure you download and subscribe to all of the editions of ATS Radio, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeart Radio, wherever you stream and download your podcast content, including today's edition of the Better's Box, where I talked about the ALDS as well as the NLDS. With that, we bring on today's guest, Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And Brian, how's it going today, man?
1: All right, Adam, a lot on the plate, but uh, yeah, we get the golf tournament here in Vegas, the NHL draft today, tomorrow, free agency Friday, baseball playoffs, uh, they're hitting the cover off the ball, and uh, the football, if we can get by this week, let's see what happens with Tennessee. Uh, That was a pretty scary moment last week with the Tennessee-Pittsburgh game canceled, and then... Uh, The Pats-Chiefs game seemed to be highly in doubt, but they were able to get it in. So uh, let's see if uh, things calm down on the NFL front in that regard.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think that despite losing the Titans and Steelers game, I think it was actually a pretty positive week for the NFL on the COVID front because they found out that a lot of their protocols work, and they also found out that it seems like there were some players for the Titans that were infected at the time they were playing the Vikings – and managed not to give it to the Vikings. The Vikings had all negative tests throughout the week. They were able to play their game against the Texans without a hitch. The only casualty in that game was actually Bill O'Brien. So I think it was a pretty good week for the NFL in the sense that their protocols worked. You know, they've erred on the side of caution with contact tracing and things like that. But, you know, the Vikings didn't get it from playing against a team that had it. And I think that's a really good thing and really positive going forward for the NFL.
1: Yeah, you know what, that's a really good point, because uh, it's funny, I always um, thought this, and I swear, I've only heard them start talking about this the last week, the viral upload. If, you, if you, you're starting to hear this now, and, I, and I'm, you know, I'm an idiot, I'm no doctor, but I always thought that this thing, the severity of it, might be based on the amount of it that you got. You know, if you get it in passing and you got a little, maybe it's, a, it's a, small, a lighter case. Or if you're just in proximity to someone for an elongated period of time and you get a boatload of it in you, then it would get worse. And no one ever talked about that. And all of a sudden now they're talking about this viral upload. So, from the, the only reason I bring it up, I'm not trying to sound like a doctor, but you're right. I mean, you know, you, you fall on a pile for a fumble, you're around a guy for five seconds, you get up. If you get it, maybe you get a little and it's not a real severe case or or you're not getting it all because you're outdoors. And who the hell knows with this thing?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think that from the start, I think for both of us, the, the messaging and the presentation of information has, you know, been something that's been pretty frustrating throughout the process. But to your point, you know, I saw a doctor with a study a few weeks ago saying that, you know, the, the wearing of a mask in some ways increases your immunity because, You're not blocking all of the COVID particles and the aerosols and all of that, but you're blocking most of them. So your body is still to a degree getting some of the illness, but not enough of it to make you really sick. So your body through wearing a mask and through, you know, getting some of the droplets and all of that is actually developing some kind of protection, you know, against if you got a bigger case of the illness, that viral upload that you're talking about. And maybe we kind of see that sort of theory, Uh, or that, you know, study playing out here with the fact that, again, Titans players had it, Vikings players were probably exposed to small, you know, microscopic degrees of it, and it wasn't really enough to create that positive test. So, this is probably a good thing for the NFL going forward, as I said, because, you know, again, now there's talk of this possibly being a very seasonal thing to the point where it gets worse here, late October, November, on into December. Maybe it gives us some hope that, You know, if one team gets it, we won't wind up with any kind of league-wide outbreak uh, as a result of playing against that team uh, or those teams. So again, I I think that, yeah, we lost a game and we're still uncertain about Tennessee getting back on the field here uh, for Wednesday, reopening their facility, all of that. But at least we found, you know, maybe some measure of hope. And, And with each passing day, the more we find out about this and the more that these teams and these leagues find out about it, the better equipped they're going to be
1: and and seriously i mean not to diminish this or become political about i mean okay uh overnight connor mcdavid uh with the oilers you know, he gets the virus i mean the obviously the bubble is no more uh in the nhl but of all the people and players in in, in sports uh, the college kids those that have gotten it i mean has anyone really fallen extremely ill or has there been a calamity i think the fear with football teams might be assistant coaches and older people that are around them but these athletes you know you get the thing and thankfully which seems to be what we've been told that there are high risk factors and these are younger people that are in phenomenal shape and nothing cataclysmic has happened to them and, you know, it's, it's, it's these are things we're all dealing with on a daily basis. Uh, yeah, but these are people, for the most part, get it, get over it, and get back to work.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are a couple offhand I can think of. You know, there there were the concerns with myocarditis with the college football players. And I thought it was always interesting, and it was talked about a lot at the, co- at the collegiate level and never really talked about it at all at the NFL level. So I thought, you know, that was kind of weird. The one that I can really think of is Eduardo Rodriguez, the pitcher for the Red Sox did wind up getting a pretty severe case of myocarditis, wasn't able to play this baseball season uh, at all. And, in fact, he was hospitalized for a lengthy period of time. But that's really the only one that I can think of that was a, a very yeah. extreme case. But, again, it was a an issue related to having COVID. It wasn't
1: from, you know, COVID and, and breathing problems and all of that. It doesn't that mirror so, – I mean, like I said, the, the, this is a discussion. We watch this stuff and you get – Mixed messages depending on what TV channel you watch, uh, which is insanity. But does it not speak to unfortunate for him? But uh, do we stop the world spinning? The you know, unfortunately, one guy had a very bad case of this thing. Um, you know, do we get on with our lives? And when? Well, and you think about it, too. I mean, you know, you you get the Saints one with
0: the fullback. It wound up being a false positive. But, I mean, that broke, you know, what, uh, Friday or Saturday night? You know, and then there there was talk of maybe canceling that game. You know, for the Saints, I mean, you go from thinking, oh, we're not going to play to then all of a sudden being able to play because it's a false positive. The Cam Newton one, obviously, you know, that one breaking, what, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, they still wind up playing that game. Again, I think we saw a lot of positives, at least on the COVID front, because they were able to play these games. And nobody even talked about it last week, but A.J. Terrell, uh, Terrell, the defensive back for Atlanta, got it.
1: And, look, it wasn't talked about at all because he's not of the magnitude of Cam Newton. Exactly. But, But the thing is, okay, let's see what happens. Do the Titans suit up and play against the Bills? Because what's that number in the 20 range now? Uh, If, you know, a one week off, if they're able to come back and play. But specifically Cam Newton, that this word comes out, uh, what, I guess, was it Saturday morning? Yeah, it was late Saturday morning, Saturday early afternoon, yeah. So if Cam Newton suits up and plays in eight days, there's almost a barometer of what we're looking at moving forward. And the one thing that we've talked about is that the big impact is, who gets sick? I mean, you're talking about the quarterback of a football team. That's a, you know, it's a lot different than a left guard. Right. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And
0: it's also going to get, you know, a, a lot more fanfare and a lot more run when it's a, a big-name player
1: as opposed to, you know, uh, like – I like your style, though. I, I like your thinking that at the end of the day, as we, if we get through this week, that maybe there is – you know a positive result there that you're they're able to survive this thing, the league, and and soldier forward on this because listen, I mean, it wasn't your first reaction go, well, okay, Tennessee, Pittsburgh's canceled. Oh, it impacts Baltimore. They got to move their bye week. So there's three teams where you have absolutely okay. You made your move. You have no wiggle room with these guys. You know, now, but now we're going to have angles that we're going to talk about if Tennessee does come back and play. All of a sudden, the Buffalo, Buffalo's facing Tennessee coming off a bye instead of Tennessee getting beat up by Pittsburgh. Or you can make the case, Tennessee sat idly by. They may have been on a bye, but they weren't able to practice. And so and so you're going to start seeing the – we're going to be throwing the football angles of all this stuff in there. Don't kid yourself. The Chiefs thing, they were desperate to get that, that game played. And I, I'll tell you one reason. A big reason was the fantasy football aspect of that that – the People didn't want Patrick Mahomes sitting on the sidelines, and if they canceled that game, they'd have derailed fantasy football. That's a billion-dollar industry. And, oh, by the way, the Chiefs got to play. Now, Monday night, play the Raiders on Sunday and then play at Buffalo on Thursday. They're sitting there going, this Chiefs thing, we got to get through this with these guys because if their schedule gets set off the train tracks, it goes to hell in a handbasket.
0: Yeah, it really does. And, uh, you know, I guess the the last point I'll kind of make here is, you know, you said, I think barometer is a good word, you know, trying to figure out about Cam Newton, about, you know, the availability of some of these Titans players, you know, how things work in terms of how they come back. I don't know if it's two negative tests or three negative tests or whatever it is to bring these players back. But I also think back to major league baseball where, you know, the, the Marlins had that big outbreak. They went out in Atlanta before the season, you know they had a preseason game. They went out afterwards. A bunch of guys got it. A bunch of Cardinals got it from going to a casino uh, up in Minnesota. After that, we didn't see any large scale outbreak. We saw you know individual cases here and there. And the NFL released you know one of those memorandums yesterday, really tightening up the COVID protocols of saying, look, if you're not vigilant and we have to cancel games of yours, and you know your team is at fault, there will be fines. There could be forfeiture of draft picks something like that so now this also serves as a reminder and maybe a warning to all of the other teams out there hey you know keep your shit together keep your people informed keep everybody well, on the same page
1: it's, it's easy to tell a threat oh it. yeah no i agree in the what? organization would that, but you're talking to you know a 22 year old kid that's just got a signing bonus and after a football game they want to go out and raise holy hell <laughs> you right. know Uh, you know, it's easy to threaten the football teams. The problem is you're trying to keep 100 guys in check. Right. Well, you know, I mean, you know, they they gave the coaches heavy
0: fines for not wearing their masks when they were showing them on TV. Uh, You know, they fined players for not wearing masks. You know, there was one in Vegas there, you know, with Darren Waller. They they were big fines there because players weren't wearing masks, you know, at this charity event. And, you know, I mean, I guess the NFL is really going to crack down, and, and we'll see. You know, if that winds up being what allows us to get through a full NFL season here, but uh, sucks, I don't, sucks talking about
1: this stuff. But it's it part does. of it.
0: It does, and and you know, as you mentioned, there are handicapping implications, and we'll get to those in a second here. Just want to tell our listeners real quickly. We probably sound a little bit different. The video will look a little bit different. Trying this on Zoom today. I've had some Skype issues. I don't know if it's my internet provider. I don't know if it's Skype, but a good opportunity here to try this on Zoom see if we can kind of troubleshoot the problem a little bit. Uh, it, was because we have had, it was your idea. it was Brian Blessing's <laughs> idea. He's a tremendous asset to the show and to everyone
1: here. <laughs> you're uh, gonna believe it. at the end of the day you're gonna go good good idea idiot No
0: we'll, we'll see if it works. I mean uh, <laughs> you know but y- you are a tremendous asset to us here at
1: ats.io and uh, hopefully this will allow us oh, to get through okay. this if this if this is a word for this podcast. You got every kid in the world getting educated on Zoom. It better work.
0: That's that's a good point. That's a very good point uh, to be sure here. But it gives us the opportunity to try again with one of these highlight videos from the ATS radio broadcast. Unable to do those on Monday uh, with those audio issues I was just talking about. But wanted to get on here with Brian and talk about some week five games, kind of give you some picks and predictions, insights and analysis, all of that here for this upcoming week. uh, Brian, you already did a video for us on the Thursday night game over on our ATS YouTube page between Tampa Bay and Chicago. So we won't spend time on that one, but we will jump ahead to Sunday here. And we were just talking about it. You're the Kansas City Chiefs. They play New England. Game gets pushed back a day. Obviously, tons of game planning goes into anytime you face Bill Belichick. Now you're a double-digit favorite against the Raiders with the Bills looming on a short week in week six. Is this a good spot to take Las Vegas here?
1: Ooh, Twelve and a half's a weird number too. You know, part of me would say uh the, the Chiefs come out and light the Raiders up and say, "Let's get the big lead." And in a perfect world, maybe we can, you know, get some of these guys out at the, in the second half, get them a little bit of rest. Uh, let's let's give the Patriots credit. Hoyer Stidham, it was ugly. But that Patriots defense played their lungs out after the first drive, which, by the way, they held them to a field goal. Uh, Belichick made incredible adjustments and really frustrated that Chiefs offense. You know, the, the one thing I would say, um, Jacobs is certainly a big X factor. The Bills actually pulled a Belichick move on the Raiders. I, and I, and I, I was looking at, at the scores when it was all said and done, Adam, Look at the teams that are, you know, atop the standings. And we're all about the fantasy football, and look what Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson and Mahomes and even Josh Allen, what they're doing. And that's the exciting thing, and it's the highlights. Look at the teams that have winning records. They are all teams that can run the football. I mean, you can sling it all over the place, but you better be able to close out games and establish the run when you need to. It's still a viable part of this game. And the Bills, the key to their win, the week before, they had the big comeback, and the Rams got back in the game with Henderson running it down their throat. So everybody's like, well, Jacobs is going to run it down their throat. He's a terrific running back, and he's their best player. The Bills put it in the box and shut them down. And basically, they had a couple of plays over the top. One was a bomb that was called back for a touchdown, the Raiders, to Aguilar. And then they had an interference call late in the game. But the Bills basically took Jacobs away. I'd look for the Raiders, uh, the Chiefs to do the same thing. Um, you know, can Carr beat you over the top? And with Rugs not in there, uh, you know, these guys are NFL receivers. They'll get a play or two or a chance or two. Uh, but I think the Bills actually put a pretty good blueprint out there to give the Raiders a hard time. Yeah, and, and, you know, kind of with that sentiment in mind,
0: i as terrifying as it is to play an under in the NFL right now. I kind of like under 57 in that game. I think this is one where, you know, as you kind of talked about, the Chiefs try to get out early, and then they try to put it in cruise control and save some bullets, save some legs, save some guys for that quick turnaround against Buffalo, a game that, I mean, you know, at this point in time may end up having some, you know, playoff implications in terms of home field and something like that. So I think maybe you look under 57 here in this Vegas-Kansas City game. The concern for me with Vegas on the spread is that, Derek Carr cannot go vertical. They are checking down a ton. He's just not comfortable throwing downfield for one reason or another. If they do get behind and have to play catch up, that worries me. Now they could get yards and chunks, 8, 10, 12 at a time, throwing underneath against that soft defense from the Chiefs. Maybe that also hurts the under here. But again, I think Kansas City will put themselves in a position where they are ahead at halftime, can pony up a little bit in the second half if they need to. But I think they try to go running clock as much as possible in this game. I kind of like the under in that one.
1: Yeah, and and honestly, the the number, like I said, you go broke in the NFL laying double digits. Uh, If that scenario we're talking about uh, is in play where Casey gets the lead and maybe say, look, we got to turn around. You know, I don't know that they do or don't. It's just something to consider um, that they maybe take some guys out knowing they have to play again on Thursday, then the backdoor cover certainly could be in play, but a garbage touchdown at the end.
0: All right, so how about this game here? 459-460, Jacksonville and Houston. Houston, six-point favorite, total of 54. And you know the reason why I want to ask you about this game. Bill O'Brien, the first coach to get fired. Kudos to anybody who had that one uh, in the 9-1 to range. I think a lot of us thought Adam Gase. A lot of us thought Dan Quinn. And Dan Quinn will probably be – the second head coach fired here uh, should have already been fired, quite frankly. But what about Houston here? They're, you know, they're 0-4. They're not going to make the playoffs at this point, probably, unless they really turn things around. But they no longer have Bill O'Brien there. Is is this a one-week bump for them? Is Jacksonville that bad that Houston can cover? Any thoughts on that game?
1: Jacksonville is that inconsistent. Uh, you know, I mean, you have a good game against Indy. Uh, you know, and, and then you then you get mauled by other teams one week to the next. I, I I can't get a read on Jackson. But the funny thing is, you know, Marone was another guy who very much was on the list of a coach that could get fired. Uh, got a little bit of equity with that opening week win. The the problem with this game, Adam, is I you can't trust either one of these teams. Uh, that that's the real, to, to sit here with conviction and say what is. The one thing I would say that could be of use is this number is six and a half minus a dime. If you think, you know, Romeo Cornell knows what he's doing. He's been around the ball. He's the oldest coach in the league now. But if you think it's used, then bet it now because it's going to get to seven.
0: Yeah, I think there's a chance it probably does go up. There were so many people that were so anti-Bill O'Brien, and, and for good reason. I mean, I've gotten Bill O'Brien several times betting on the Texans over the last few years. And, you know, I mean, look, I, I also think, too, that, you know, this is probably a scenario, I know that they've won some division titles and all of that, but they did so, you know, with negative point differentials or just ugly, ugly peripheral stats. This is a team that, you know, probably overachieved in spite of Bill, Brian, of Bill O'Brien. Now you wonder about Deshaun Watson. Does he kind of open things up a little bit? Do they play without that dark cloud over their heads of knowing that you know, this could have been a possibility at some point? I think that's kind of an interesting
1: one, but well, you know what? I, I just interject. The one thing I would say is: is anybody as good as they look, or as bad as they look? Houston, you looked at the gauntlet they played: Kansas City, Baltimore. On the road at Pittsburgh, and then okay, Minnesota was the straw that broke the camel back. Well, okay, it was a battle of zero three teams, but really, at the beginning of the year, I mean, you might not have thought they were any—you know—the division winners. But did you think Minnesota, you know, was was like this zero three kind of team? I mean, they're 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 a five hundred team and with with upside, and. You got a running back in Cook, and I think the emergence of Jefferson opposite Thielen now because they missed Diggs mightily, it seems like maybe Minnesota's getting their act together. So they like, oh, they lost to 0 3 Minnesota. Well, you know, Minnesota maybe is not that bad. Uh, you know, because listen, buddy, we were doing these podcasts uh, during the summer months. We can't ignore the stuff that we talked about weeks ago. We said there are going to be teams that handle this thing well and teams that handle it miserably. Uh, and, And I've said we did videos on this. We talked about normally week one to week two, there's your adjustments, your power rankings, maybe into week three a little bit historically. But week to week, we see these massive shifts in the number. But we talked about it may take a month to know who these teams are because there was no real contact in training camp. There were no preseason games. Maybe Minnesota gets their head out of their backside and turns into a decent football team. Now this shakeup Houston, look at the gauntlet they played. The, the one you – if you were going to poke holes at them, the only one you could poke holes at them was, you know, you're 0-3 and you lost at home to Minnesota. But Minnesota was as desperate as they were. So that of the four. That's the only one I think you can really poke holes at Houston for losing. But I just think now we kind of know who these teams are, but some of them are going to turn a corner, a handful of them. We talked about it all summer.
0: Yeah. And I think the thing for Minnesota too is, I mean, look, they're averaging well over six yards per play. They're averaging over six and a half yards per play. It's the defense. It's not any good. So, Yeah, they were an 0-3 team. They've got flaws, but they're still, you know, a top 10, top 5 caliber offense in the NFL right now from a statistical standpoint. So that's still a challenging situation for a Houston team that, you know, has kind of a a drought at the skill positions with some of the transactions that Bill O'Brien's made. They they can never protect Deshaun Watson, stuff like that. But I do want to get to the Minnesota-Seattle game because you just talked about Minnesota. And I know that even though we're looking at a total here, you know, basically in the fifty-eight range, you're still looking for a lot of points in this
1: game. I think it goes over. And but but and the thing I was just gonna say the final note, and it bleeds into this game. Look at Dallas. I mean, the numbers Russell Wilson's been putting up, they should be murdering teams. They're all close football games. Seattle's a mangled mess in their secondary, injury wise. And I you know the one thing across the league, I think tackling sucks. Oh, it's I think bad. That, that's it's the really bad. Thing with no no preseason games and training camp with minimal contact, that these guys literally are just to the point now, you know, you've played four games, maybe the tackling will start to improve, but that's been horrific. But Seattle, their secondary, even Adams is hurt now. They're a disaster. Look at the Cowboys secondary. But Minnesota can score with Cook, uh, and we, we mentioned the weapons already, with Thielen, now the emergence of Jefferson. They can score. And Russell Wilson uh, is just incredible what he's been doing. And Carson beat the rap on the injury and he's back and he's running like a horse. I don't see either teams. The prop would be uh, over under, I'd say under one and a half punts in the game.
0: Yeah. the, The thing I, I worry about a little bit for Seattle here is going back East to West. We saw San Francisco really struggle in that situation here this weekend, but also San Francisco, everybody's hurt. And, you know Seattle doesn't really have that problem, and they have Russell Wilson, who quite frankly, I think Russell Wilson's the best quarterback in the NFL I mean wh- what he does with what he you know has to work with with what he's had to work with uh the, the guy's just exceptional, so I-, I think that you know we could definitely see a lot of points in that one, and I encourage you to check out Brian's other videos here on our a t s YouTube page, uh, including where he took a look at the game on Monday Night Football between the Chargers and the Saints. Uh, right here on our ATS YouTube page. And make sure you subscribe to ATS Radio across all of those different podcast platforms. Brian, we'll go ahead and go back to back with the feature videos here. I know you got the NHL draft today, so you're kind of a little bit pressed for time. But I wanted to talk about the start of this Vegas doubleheader here on the PGA Tour. The Shriners Hospitals for Children open this week at TPC Summerlin. Next week, the CJ Cup at Shadow Creek, which I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, but this tournament here this week at TPC Summerlin, you and I were talking before we started recording here, this is the best field for this tournament in 32 years. Bryson DeChambeau, Webb Simpson, Patrick Cantlay, Colin Morikawa, Tony Finau, Matsuyama, Harris English, Matt Wolf, Scotty Scheffler, Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, Sergio Garcia, who won last week at the
1: Sanderson Farms. Really, really good field this week, Brian. And usually this tournament, I think the brub the was they didn't come out here because it was a putting tournament. The winning scores in the low to mid-20s. Uh, I played TPC Summerlin a couple of times a year. I mean, th- these guys eat this course alive, but if they grew the rough and had some snarky pin placements, believe me, they could they could make the score a lot different than it is. But the quality players are showing up now, and we're seeing it. The FedEx Cup is a big deal, and these are full FedEx Cup point events, and the name players are showing up. And I think you, you, the, the, the angle, go to PGATour.com. There's a really cool article in there um, about so many guys on the tour are now gravitating and living in Vegas. Uh, Xander Shawley said, I'm moving there. Colin Morikawa lives right up the street here, or plays right up the street here, uh, literally about 2,000 yards from where I'm doing this video. Kevin Nah lives here. He's won this event twice. What does that tell you? He knows the course. So I think he, there's a starting point. You look at guys like that. And the price guy in there in that group is Aaron Wise, who is always, if you read this article, they're always playing games and working on their game. But Aaron Wise is a kid that can play, but he's here all the time. He's 80 to 1. We all know about Morikawa. Uh, watch out for a guy like Aaron Wise to make a little run here.
0: Yeah, and I think it's the important thing. You know, you, you sort of look at the the player profile for what you want to take in this tournament, and ball striking is very important, as it is week in and week out. As you said, the rough is not very penal here, so you, know, you can hit it a long way and go ahead and take whatever medicine you wind up with and be perfectly fine with doing it. The other part is that you got a guy like Kevin Na, that did not play well in a lot of strokes gained areas last year, but he almost lapped the field in strokes gained putting. He made virtually every putt on this course, and a guy like him can do that. A guy like you know, J.T. Poston can do that. We've seen guys like a Bo Hostler play well here. He doesn't do a whole lot of things well except hit the putter. So that's kind of what you're looking at here this week is, do you take the ball strikers at the short prices? Like I like Webb Simpson this week. I like Harris English this week, or do you take the guys that are really good with the flat stick that have the longer prices?
1: There's no rough, and they said honestly, I I played this course, and the which is always fun to watch when you go. Oh, I was there. I know what what he's facing. That's kind of enjoyable. But the funny thing is, you know, on certain holes, you know, I I have my moments uh, on this course where these guys are so good as their distance control. And the real unique feature of these TPC layouts, every green are triple tier greens, but they are substantially different tiers. I mean, their distance control—they're always fifteen. The guy that wins it—he's eight feet to the pin. The other guy—you know—if you're twenty-five feet, your percentages are obviously much different. But if you're not on the right level, there are three putts all over the place on this course. That's why these guys like this course up because their distance control is so good. They're always on the right level. But at the end of the day, it's a putting tournament. This event is a putting tournament. So, so, like, so I look at a guy like Matt Kuchar, who uh, had a really quiet year. Um, you know, was out of nowhere, I think it's it like a Sergio showing up last week. You know, um, a higher-end guy, first win since the Masters, but, but kind of a higher-end name guy wins the Sanderson Farms. In the past, you weren't getting named guys like that in these tournaments. So you get, you get a named guy like Kuchar showing up in this thing who's very much coming in here under the radar. But if he's putting good, uh, he can get away with subpar ball striking. The other guy that is playing good that I thought was a nice overlay price was Cameron Davis, who played well at the Sanderson Farms.
0: Yeah, so like I said, I mean, looking at the BetMGM prices here, I like Webb Simpson at 12-1 to among the short prices. I, he's as yeah, but- close to Shambo. As we Over get in this here. field, yeah, and in terms of ball striking and, and putting, he's right there with Deshambo. So I, I think at twelve to one, he's worth a look. Like I said, Harris English at twenty five to one, a guy some people may like is Patrick Cantlay. Two runners up and a win here, so he's played very very well. Um, you know, but again, there are some guys that are just great putters that are down the board here, like a Poston at eighty to one, Christopher Ventura at eighty to one. He kind of fits the same mold as a Kevin Na type. The difference is Kevin not you know, plays here all the time, as you mentioned, knows these uh, putting surfaces really well. Uh, but you mentioned Aaron Wise at 80-1, to 1, uh, Cameron Davis, the guy at 50-1. to 1. So I think you and I just have two schools of thought here. I'm kind of well, taking the shorter prices in the strong field, and you're looking at the guys that have yeah, well, bigger I, numbers
1: that fit the profile. I generally do that anyway. Right. And I'll come back and get a Webb Simpson on Friday night at a, maybe a higher price if he's four or five shots back. I, to me, when, it's, when the course is set up for these guys to go low, you know, it, the tougher courses separate the cream from the crop. You know, th- this is the kind of tournament you should be searching for a bomb. And then you can find the name player at the same price on Friday night or maybe even an overlaid price on Friday night. But, but th- to me, to sit there and play somebody at 15 to 1 – When the winning score is going to be 23 under par, you know, I I think you're I personally think you're better off and better suited to swing for defenses and get a guy like that in contention and then say, here's the name guy who's four shots back. And after Friday night, I'm I'm separating the, the 10 or 12 really high end name players, separate them out that one of them is, you know, within striking distance. And that's when you play those guys. The, the last thing I
0: would say here, and, and who knows, maybe he'll go out there and win this tournament, but but a guy like Hideki Matsuyama, you yeah. can't take him in an event like this. Great yeah. ball striker can't putt. So that's the biggest thing. If you're handicapping this golf tournament, make sure that you're getting you know at least an above average to elite putter here uh, you know, with the guys that you're backing. For the Shriners Hospitals for Children Open at TPC Summerlin. Uh, we always, you
1: mentioned we're here again next week, too. That's, yes. probably, that's probably another reason uh, that this field was so big. I, I think the, the – the, what is it? The Nine Bridges? Uh, be C- CJ Cup, yeah. The CJ – was it, well, was that CJ Cup at Nine Bridges then? Is that what that yeah. was? Yeah. Yeah, over
0: in, uh, what, South Korea?
1: Yeah. But, <laughs> but I think the fact that there were tournaments here back-to-back weeks probably made a lot of these guys say, well – I don't want to miss two tournaments, but, Bo, by the way, I can go play, settle in, and not have to travel somewhere that they looked at the back-to-back week nature of this thing saying, that's pretty appealing and I'm going to do it. And I think think the fact that that tournament's at Shadow Creek has mightily helped the quality of the field for this week too. Well, and then one
0: last point here uh, is just to say that guys that miss the cut this weekend probably aren't going to go home. They're probably just going to stay – in their rental place or whatever they're doing you know, and they're probably the going to take Creek? the weekend and go play Shadow Creek. So we're going to do the Shadow Creek and practice. Right. So look for guys that you know maybe really good players that missed the cut here this week. Good one. They're going to get some extra rounds next week at Shadow Creek for sure. I like that one. That's a good angle. I like that a lot. Well, I like to think we talk about a lot of good angles here on ATS Radio and on these highlight videos over on our ATS YouTube page. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube page and also subscribe to get ATS Radio wherever you stream and download your podcast content. With that, like I said, like we've talked about at the top of the show, Brian, big day for you, NHL draft the next couple days, NHL free agency later on this week. You'll be covering a lot of that, I would presume, uh, not just on Vegas Hockey Hotline, but probably on Sportsbook Radio as well.
1: Yeah, no, listen, uh, the first round of the NHL draft is tonight, but the one thing that's going on here, this draft is not in June. Uh, We're sitting here with training camps, whatever, six weeks away, January 1 target date to start the next year. But you also have expansion coming up with Seattle. And guys are going to start moving guys now to at least get something for them instead of losing them unprotected to expansion. You've got salary caps, flat salary caps, teams that have put internal salary cap restrictions uh, you know, on, on their own spending spree. So names are available that are out there in addition to the name-free agents that are out there. I think this could be are an incredibly active week, and free agencies is on Friday. So the dominoes are really going to start to go here, starting with the draft tonight. I think the trades might be a couple today. that Everybody will be focused on round one tonight. But tomorrow I look for the wheeling and dealing to start, and the goalie market's insane. Goalies that are out there ready to go on the move. So uh, it's It's have a big impact on how these teams – are constructed for next year and it's all compacted into a week later in the year so it's fun to watch
0: yeah it definitely is make sure you follow brian on twitter at brian blessing check out sportsbookradio.com as well as kshp.com and check out his videos over on our ats youtube page brian always a pleasure man thank you so much for joining me appreciate you uh sticking with me here with some of the technical issues and we'll talk to you again next week
1: well hey buddy here i got a I can't just, like, I'm not the Star Trek guy. I'll put them together there. Fingers crossed, kid, that this Zoom thing works. Well, there you go. Thank you so
0: much, man. I appreciate All it. Right. There you go. There's Brian Blessing, once again, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Brian Blessing. Coming up on Thursday, we'll chat with professional handicapper Brad Powers from BradPowersSports.com. College Football Week 6, NFL Week 5, and then Friday. My thoughts for week five in the Circus Sports Million. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again on Thursday.